but uh, we were looking at Second Peter chapter 3, at the one thing you can count on. Of course, what is that one thing you can always count on? It is uh, God's Word, God's Word, the Bible. And in our outline uh, last week, uh, we noted, noted, noted the assurance of the Scriptures. Uh, the Bible is a perfect book. The Bible is a prophetic book. The Bible is a preserved book. And uh, Peter uh, gives that to us there in those uh, first verses of chapter 3. And then uh, we also looked at the ignorance of the scoffers. And uh, we noticed the doubt and the denial. And that's where we uh, stopped because the next point was kind of long and so we didn't want to uh, go too long there. So we'll get into the third point of uh, Roman numeral 2 and that is the discovery, the discovery. And here we're looking at verses 4 uh, through 7. In verse 4 it says, And saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly were, are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with the water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved into fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, this kind of goes back into, uh, we're in the section here, uh, considering the ignorance of the scoffers. And they're asking that question, you know, uh, where is the promise of his coming? He hasn't come yet. Well, what if they are around today? Well, and there are some around today, and they're probably asking the same question. You know, he's promised 2,000 years ago or so, you know, he was going to come, and he hasn't come. So uh, he must not be coming. Well, why are they so quick to deny the plain teaching of scriptures? Why do they seem so ignorant? eager to invent fables a way uh, to explain away the truths that so clearly are taught in the pages of Scripture. And it is quite simple, really. The problem is not one of the head, but it's one of the heart. Uh, it isn't that they, don't under, they can't understand. It is that they don't wish to understand. Notice in verse 5, it it talks about being willingly ignorant. Uh, in verse 3, it says, walking after their own lust. If, you know, if man would admit that there really is a God, and this God uh, has given us a perfect revelation of himself in the Bible, then he would have to bow before God. He'd have to repent of his sins and submit to God and to be et uh, or to be eternally damned. It's the sinner's advantage to undermine the authority of the Word of God. Uh, you see, if you do away with, thus saith the Lord, do away with that, then there are no absolutes. And that's what a lot of people are trying to tell us today. There is no absolutes. There's no you know, clear black and white, uh, right or wrong. Uh, there's no absolutes. It's only uh, what you think is right. What you think is wrong. 
Uh, there's no standards of right and wrong. And when that happens, then nothing is, uh, nothing is off limits. You think of uh, abortion and homosexuality and free sex and drunkenness and drugs and all those things are right if there is no God. And that's why we have the theory of evolution. That's why it's being taught. That's why it's being promoted. And there's no basis of scientific fact behind it. Man is simply looking for a way to uh, cut out the teachings that are found in the Bible, ignore the Bible. That's just a, a book of, of myths. It's not really true. Just something somebody made up. And uh, so often, we're given an alternative account of what we are given in the Bible. People don't want to admit that the Bible is true. Uh, they'll do anything and everything they can to deny the existence of God. Because if we admit that there is a God, then verse 10 must be dealt with. We're going to skip down there, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You see, if there is a God, you have to deal with that. Now, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, because there is a holy and righteous God, and so there must be a great day of reckoning coming. If there is a God, there's a day of judgment. We're told that in a number of places. We're told it in Revelation. Uh, there is a place called hell, Revelation or Psalm 9, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And so the fact is, there is a God, and this Bible is his perfect word, and he will be faced in judgment someday. He's appointed unto man once to die, and then what? The judgment. Even those who deny his existence are going to have to stand before him. Now, let's go to that verse 10 a little bit here. Uh, notice what the Bible says in verse 10. Uh, we, we read it there, but it uses the term the elements. Now, uh, a Latin word for that is elementum, or which means the smallest part. What's the smallest part? Well, most likely it has to do with an atom. Adam. Uh, did you know that atomic power is all around us today? Even every breath we take is filled with highly flammable and explosive gases. Uh, the water which covers 75% of the earth's surface is composed of gases so explosive, so volatile that even the slightest molecular change would result in a total destruction of the planet. Now, I like to give history lessons. Tonight, we're going to do a science lesson, okay? Uh, I did teach a little science as well. You know, that one year, there was no science teacher, so guess who got elected? Uh, I got uh, to teach science that year. Well, let's just look at those elements. There's oxygen. Oxygen is required for combustion. Uh, it's what fire feeds on. Take away the oxygen and the fire dies. Uh, turn it on and the fire flares up. 
Yet with every breath, we pull in this highly explosive material into our bodies. Can you imagine that? I'm so thankful that God made us the way he made us, but uh, we breathe in oxygen. Well, it's an explosive. What about nitrogen? Nitrogen is a component that makes up dynamite, TNT, or nitroglycerin, uh, the explosive. And yet, every day, we gulp masses of quantities of nitrogen in the air we breathe. Now, cannot the same God who made these elements and combined them in such a way that they don't explode also change the mixture and cause them to explode? Of course he can. Well, then there's, oh, how much, how many of you put salt on your food? Well, table salt. That's one-third sodium. Sodium by itself is a, you know, if you just took sodium, it'd be a gray putty-like substance. See, I don't like to put gray putty-like substance on my food, but uh, that's what sodium is in its pure uh, form. It must be kept in kerosene, or the kerosene will explode. Uh, if a drop was placed in water, it would result in a violent fire, yet we eat it every day. Amazing. What about uh, water? Have you had a drink of water lately? Very carefully. It's got oxygen and hydrogen. And uh, uh, both of those chemicals are extremely explosive. Better be careful. Well, doesn't happen yet. I didn't explode, did I? Nope. But they're combined in just the right way that they become safe. All God has to do is speak the word, and the chemical arrangement is altered in the world, uh, or the world would be a huge fuel dump. Yet we drink this life-giving substance every day. And they tell us we need to drink a lot of it. All right? What about the atom? We talked about the atom. When the atom is split, a chain, a chain, chain reaction is set into motion that has the power to level cities and vaporize men. Yet we have uh, atoms in our very body. Our bodies are made up of atoms. Just what about the earth itself? Now the earth is compared to kind of a globular egg, if you please, with a hard crust covering a semi-liquid center. In scale, the earth's crust is the same thickness of an eggshell when compa uh, compared to the vast sea of lava that's in it. Now, there have been times when this lava has burst forth through a volcano, and it comes out, and it sometimes does a great deal of damage, even killing people. Yet we walk on this thin crust every day. You go outside, you're going to walk on this thin crust, and you think, uh-oh, I hope I don't break through. There's lava down there. There's a semi-liquid uh, center. Well, it's safe for us. Well, these are some of those elements that the Bible is describing here in verse 10. 
The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements, elements, and we could probably come up with a lot more. In verse, you go back to verse 7, and you notice there it says, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. God's got things in control. But notice he says, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. In the very building blocks of creation, God has placed the elements that are essential to bring about a fiery end to the world. Could God who made the world not cause it to burn? Sure he can, and he's going to. So the world was created in the beginning and was it's going to be cremated in the end. It's going to blow up and it's going to burn up. And in that day, all, will, all that will matter is your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as bad as the thought is that the world will ultimately be destroyed, the reality of the eternity of hell is infinitely worse. So the scoffers, you know, they can scoff all they want. But here's the word of God. God, uh, scoffers are going to have their day. It, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus will come again, and you can count on that. It's one of those things you can count on. So we've looked at the assurance of the Scriptures, the ignorance of the scoffers. Notice, thirdly, the patience of the Savior. Here we go down to verse 8 and verse 9. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He isn't slack. He isn't tardy. Some people uh, are, are slack in their work. They, they, don't, they don't do a very good job. They're they kind of do a half-hearted job, or they're late to work. or they're. Uh, but God is a God of order and punctuality. It's a great principle. And he's going to come when the time is exactly right to do so. Uh, you know, men look at the supposed delay. Uh, we've I talked about this before. Is the Lord delaying his coming? No, he's not delaying it. It's going to be right on time. It's going to be his time, not our time. We might think, Lord, when are you going to come? When are you going to come? And we need to be watching and waiting. But he's got the time. He's got the right time. Uh, it just isn't time for him to come yet. When it is time, he will come. So God never tarries. Uh, he never uh, waits or delays. He's going to come, and it's going to be his time, and he's going to be the precise time. He's going to uh, judge decisively. You know, God always shows up exactly when he's supposed to. You remember, Jesus had only been gone two days, and the third day he arose. So God is punctual, right on time. I didn't put that down. God is a God of order. God is punctual. Secondly, God is patient. 
It says, uses the word long-suffering. That means long-tempered. Uh, the reason God waits to, is to allow lost men and women uh, time to repent and turn to him. He was waiting while uh, his chosen ones will be gathered into the family of God. It's not God's desire, design or desire that anyone should die. He desires to see all men saved. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So they can spend eternity with him in heaven. Now, will all come to him? Well, that hasn't taken place. There have been many people who have come and gone, and they never trusted Christ but he's still waiting and he's still loving and he's still calling and he's still giving opportunity after opportunity to get right with him. But one day his patience will be exhausted. He will return to this earth and then it will be too late to repent. We nothing more to look forward to but an eternity in hell. Again, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 uh, in verse uh, 26, we read there, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So don't presume on the patience and the grace of God. One, time, one day there will be no more. And then thirdly, God has promised. He said he was going to come again, and he will do just that. Uh, I believe he's going to appear in the clouds, catch us away to be with him if we're still here, and take us to heaven. And then there's going to be a seven-year period of tribulation here on earth, and I believe that Jesus himself will return with great glory with his saints and defeat the armies of the Antichrist. He's going to establish his throne from which... He will rule and reign for a thousand years. But the primary response that man needs to make is that man needs to ready himself for that hour. That's what Matthew 24, 44 tells us. Well, with all this in mind, are we ready? Are we ready to meet him? If not, I'd sure get ready. Uh, when we hear the... Uh, a lesson like this, we, it ought to make lost people consider the terrible danger that they're in. It ought to cause them to run to Christ in repentance. Uh, verse 10 reminds us that when he comes, it'll be a sudden event. These truths should stir the hearts of us as his people as well and make us want to get close to Jesus and uh, so we can get so close that in that time remaining we might be used of him to uh, have an impact upon those around us. There are many, many people right here in our communities that uh, have never received Christ as their Savior. And it might be just that God uses you, God uses me to reach them. So let's, uh, again, search our hearts because, you know, Jesus is coming. And that's the one thing you can count on. That's the one thing you can count on. Let's pray. Father.